Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. Shana Tova, Gamar Tova. Happy New Year. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair. Pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Doesn't get better than this. Really, there used to be a joke. You know, the, the, head, of, uh, the head of Israel had a telephone, had three phones on his desk. I think it was an old Menachem Begin joke. And it said there was a white phone and there was a black phone and there was a red phone. And um, who was it? Ronald Reagan? Someone else said, I'd like to make a phone call to heaven. And from the white phone, it was like a million dollars. From the black phone, it was... I'm getting the joke all wrong. But the bottom line was that from Israel, it was three shekels to call heaven. Why? Because the call was a local. Okay, stick a dish. Anyway, you're listening in to a holy station. And hopefully, I will measure up to the good work that we do here. uh, Bringing the best of Jewish thought. Jewish news, Jewish heartbeat to those of you who listen from overseas and, of course, from here in Israel. So anyway, Gamar Chatim means it should be a good completion to the year, not Gamar, sometimes people think is done, finished. We're never finished. As long as we have breath in our bodies, we're never done. We'd like to complete this last chapter of the year, but we want a Chatimatova, a good signature, a good writing written in the book of life for the year to come. All, all sorts of brachot, blessings, all sorts of wishes for good health, naches, um, good joy, happiness from our children, from our siblings, from our, we want a good relationship with our neighbors. We want peace, the true meaning of shalom. It's not just what takes place in Manhattan at the United Nations. Shalom is created in our own neighborhoods, in our own buildings, and indeed our own homes. And this is what we want. And you know what? I'd like to add my personal bracha, my blessing to everybody listening in, that we also should be blessed with abundant miracles. Every breath in, every exhalation is a miracle. Every dawn denotes a miracle. Every nod to a neighbor, just the fact that we grace this beautiful earth together, we're facing miracles every day, expecting more. Heard a wonderful, wonderful Torah shear, a lecture many years ago. It's amazing because I can't really remember anything. But obviously, when things really kind of tickle my my soul, it stays with me. And I remember this came down from, I believe, Rabbi Gedalia Gerfein. And uh, we have to have him on the show again. He's, he's, he's great. And we talked in previous weeks about how Hashem is, the king is in the field. God is always there. It is not Jewish belief that we can only pray in a synagogue, in a Beit Knesset, 
Um, as a matter of fact, there's no law that says you have to build when you create a community that you have to build a synagogue. You can pray in everybody's living room and everybody's backyard, everybody's garden. What is required is the building of a ritual bath, a mikvah, because without a ritual bath, there is no Jewish life. But prayer, we're partners. It's a partnership. Your partnership lets you work from home. Okay, as we've learned this last year. Anyway, Rabbi Gedalia Gerfein, when we talked about the king is in the field, he kind of alluded to so many of us face, certainly Rosh Hashanah, but definitely Yom Kippur, with this terrible feeling of trepidation and dread. And indeed, we all look over the year prior and we say, who knew? Who could have known a year ago that? And then fill in the blank. So many of us have experienced heartbeat. So many of us or those we love have gotten unwanted diagnoses in the office of a, you know, a previous benign physician. Um, war, famine. We may get to today talking about a little bit of what is happening in, um, in, in Russia today. Things that were unimaginable people trying to flee the borders before they get conscript, uh, conscripted, young men being called up uh, in Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran. Women are taking to the streets and demanding change. The world this morning is not the way it was a year ago. And so what Rabbi Gerfein says is, we pray. God is expecting us to pray. We are being given a lottery ticket, free lottery tickets. We are being given an opportunity better than a lottery ticket. A lottery ticket is just a chance and you're up against God wants to heal, hear our bakashot, our requests. Don't waste the time. If we're being told to pray, don't waste the time and say, but I'm so not worthy. Leave that to heaven. You were born. You were chosen to grace earth space. Pray more than pray. Demand. God. Always with kavod. Always with clean language. Kavod is respect. God, give me life. I know I'm not worthy. I know I messed up. I know I was a terrible neighbor, not the most loving wife or husband that I could have been. I ignored my child's, uh, I thought my child didn't have fever and I sent him to school. Oh, I'm such a terrible, terrible person. Gimme, gimme, gimme. You ever have a child in the shopping cart? And when you get up to the register, there's, there's a reason all of the candies and the gumballs and um, all of the fun little toys are at the register. It's impulse purchases. They are trying to make your child make you crazy. And we end up getting all of those things just to buy a few moments of silence. Well, guess what? We're at the register. Surrounding us are all the wonderful things that we think might make our lives terrific. Ask demand. Raise your fist in the air and say, God, I want naches. I want happiness. I want satisfaction for my children. I want my marriage to work. God, give me a spouse. 
a loving spouse, a wonderful spouse. God, give me health. Who needs a parent if they're not a loving parent? Trust God and demand, demand, demand. This is the time. I spent a beautiful Rosh Hashanah in the holy community of Beitel. Look it up, Google Beitel. And um, I must confess, this show gets very, very personal. Um, you know, I, uh, I do a lot of self-prayer. I'm not a big synagogue goer. Uh, occasionally, my husband goes to um, prayer services very, very early in the morning. Uh, he goes at 6.45 on Shabbos morning. I mean, who wants to go to shul at 6.45? I'm only on my second cup of coffee. So anyway, I, I'm not such a shul goer. Used to be. Not so much now. But I found myself in synagogue in Holy Betel. And I must tell you, if ever a tefillot, a prayer service, was meant to enter a soul and change a human being, I didn't know a soul there. And yet there was a sense of camaraderie in the women's section of really sisterhood, um, children coming in and out, nagging, pulling at their mother's sleeves. And it was so beautiful. And I was very, very aware that in Beitel there is a large community of um, what we call B'nai Menasha. B'nai Menasha, they are, they call them, you know, the children of Manasseh. How's that for? And they are actually a community um, from various Tibet and Bur uh, Bur Burmese, Burmanese, Burmese community. Anyway, they live in Beitel and they claim, many of them claimed ties to Jewishness. They converted. And I have to tell you, it was so beautiful to be in this synagogue with women from all backgrounds. They were Ashkenazim you know, Eastern European Jews. They were Sephardim, North African Jews. We had these B'nai Menasha who they looked, it's very funny, they're from India, but they looked far more Asian um, to my mind's eye. And um, we had many people who were not born Jewish. And if I tell you, the singing, the prayers, but the most important to me was at the end of Musaf, the, the, the post-Torah reading service, we sing the song, Hayom, Hayom, Hayom. What is Hayom? Hayom is today. And what we're looking, we're praying to God, you know, today may you strengthen us. Today may you bless us. Today may you exalt us. Today may you seek us out for good. Today may you support us. But there's something else. Today is the day to change your life. Today is the day to pray for good. Today is the day to write the book, to be the better spouse, to be the wonderful parent. Today is the day to slay dragons, not tomorrow. Yesterday is done. So when we sing Hayom, 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 it is today. And that is the name of today's program. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more spirituality, a little bit more of what is happening in the world and what it has to do with me, us, you. My name is Andrea Simintel. Thank you for joining me this morning. I'll see you on the other side.
And we're back. We are back. We are so back. Andrea Simitov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Forgot to do the, the romper room moment, remember? Um, I want to say good morning, good, very early morning to those listening in from the United States, U.S., all over the states. Good morning, Kathy. And Bokatov um, Eretz Israel. So funny, I don't see Canada on this list. I'm, I'm counting on you, Canada. Where are you? Uh, India is with us this morning. Interesting. If anybody in India is from the B'nai Menashe tribe, drop me a note. Curious. Oh, Moldova, the Republic of Moldova is listening in. Germany is with us this morning, as is Denmark. I got a note last week from a, a very adorable, faithful listener in South Africa, always listening in live. But um, apparently the load shedding, they can't count on having not just Internet, but electricity, any form of it other than their own generators um, on any given day. So that's that. By the way, any questions, um, anything you'd like to discuss with me, if you'd like any of the source material from which I glean much of this brilliance, please drop me a note, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Love to receive your notes, your thoughts. I like reading your own stories. It's really great. And um, happy to hear from you. Okay, so as some people who regularly write and <laughs> very busy sending links and titles of books to, they know I do write back generally, although I do owe somebody a letter. Okay, so, um, you know, what was it, 75 years since the Shoah? I can't, you know, who can actually say? It really began in the 1930s, the Holocaust. How did it start? Didn't start one day starting to round up Jews and shove them into ovens, no. It started with a simple act of dehumanization, objectifying people, taking away their blessed humanity and making them the objects of ridicule, social media jokes for whatever social media meant at that time. We've seen it on late night talk shows, the press. I'm raising the issue because, let's fix this mic here. Every day, every day across my feed come more and more articles, notices, stories about what is happening in perhaps the most Jewish city in the world outside of Jerusalem, my precious New York City. In New York, the anti-Semitic attacks that are taking place each day are, well, we can't count them anymore because some are subtle and some are overt. You know, I watched a video recently, and some of you listening in have seen this video of a seemingly normal woman. I don't know what normal means, but normal woman walking down the street in New York, it was it was like looking at a car wreck that you couldn't turn your head away. And a Hasidic man dressed in his religious garb, a longer jacket. I think he, he might have been, I think he was wearing a strimal, a fur hat. And this woman walked past him, turned around, and with deliberation and viciousness, I didn't listen to the sound on it, hit him over the head, knocked his strimal off the street, 
screaming the entire time, expletives. Nothing happened. I don't think she was arrested. And what happens? Out comes the blathering. The mayor says, we will keep our streets safe. Thanking the police for their quick response to the acts of anti-Semitic hatred. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul, Hochul is how you say her name. Hate crimes will not be tolerated in New York. And we've strengthened our laws to further hold perpetrators accountable. Is anybody else wincing? Does anybody else get that little ping behind their eyes? It's like when I hear, when I hear each year after each anti-Semitic attack or attack on Israel, totally unprovoked, Westerners running into the street and shouting, never again, never again. Wince, wince, wince. We've all read the poem. It started with my neighbor, but it wasn't me, so I didn't do anything. Anyone listening to this, to my voice this morning, certainly any Jew in America who looks at a Hasidic Jew and says, well, that has nothing to do with me. You are postponing the inevitable. When you teach your children they ain't us. Not only are you lying to your children, you're lying to yourselves because you know what? They know it is about you. These attacks do not result in serious punishment. And really, truthfully, what kind of punishment? Put somebody overnight in jail and say, don't be mean to Jews. Well, they've certainly learned their lesson. Another terrible report came out of, um, of, of, I don't know where this report came out of. She's blabbing. She's blabbing. New York City colleges and universities. Listen to the names of the schools I'm going to say. NYU, Columbia, Columbia University, Ivy League. And get this one, Brooklyn College. Hotbeds, hotbeds of rabid anti-Semitism. You think I'm making this up. It couldn't be. What is more Jewish than Brooklyn College? I mean, I really should be better prepared this morning, have the list of eminent Jews that Brooklyn College has spewed out and who have changed the world. Hotbeds of anti-Semitism. If you think this has nothing to do with you, again, we've been given our warnings. What is it that, um, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's Pogo. What does he say? We've seen the enemy and it is us. We have an opportunity at this time of year to determine what our change is. Hold on. I'm looking ahead in my notes because I was going to save this for the Devar Torah portion. But I want to just um, just tell you that the change starts with us. You know, um, I originally called this show Just One Shabbos because the idea that we could do something that has been previously thought of to be too difficult, we can. We can make moral decisions. We can take the high ground. We can reach for the brass ring. And we can say the words 
I was wrong. I thought that Galut, that the diaspora, would be the answer to my historical prayers, to my parents' wish for Jewish children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Ad Elif Esrim, a thousand and twenty. But no, we see again, it starts with a dehumanization. And if you think you, it has nothing to do with you, look in the mirror. It's all about you. All right, enough with the anti-Semitism. It will be interesting, interesting, interesting. I don't know how many of you, I have friends in the West who actually don't read a lot of international news. I don't know how many of you are aware that Russia has reinstated a mandatory draft for army age. I don't know what the age is. That's not the point. The fact is, just this past week, almost 17,000 17, Russians crossed the border into just Finland. They're running into Kazakhstan. And, um, and they're absolutely... They have raised the air prices. I cannot believe this. And anybody, let me know if I'm wrong. I read as of last night, the prices to buy a ticket out of the former Soviet Union is now between six and 20,000 US dollars. Imagine for a moment, imagine leaving your business, leaving your family, leaving your family pictures, leaving the gems, leaving the inherited piano, leaving everything in the year 2022 and running for your life. The refugees are not, they're not faceless ethnic people that we can ignore because we've done that in the past. We are talking about people that have the same dreams, the same aspirations and the same expectations of a life of safety that everybody listening to this program has. Sometimes it is too much to even bear to think this. I beg everyone that as they sit at their yuntif tables, um, their holiday tables, don't talk about the stock market. Don't talk about the price of real estate. Don't talk about any of that stuff. Talk about our own, your own, your family's fragile role in this world. And we're the true safety. We're the iron pillars of our rootedness truly lie. And when someone goes off base and talks about Beyonce or talks about a tattooed guy, Adam Levine, stop it. Stop it and keep it Jewish, keep it worldly, keep it real. And let's talk about our roles and how we can bring holiness into our orbits. When we come back, we have a lot to talk about this final Parsha of the year and how we stand before the gates, Erev Yom Kippur. My name is Andrea Simintov. I'll see you on the other side.
we are back. Andrea Simintov, pull up a chair. Erev Yom Kippur. Wow, wow, wow. I'm not sure we'll have a show next week. I'm, I'm hoping we will because it's a lot to talk about Sukkot. But let's stay in the moment, stay in the vibe. And um, yeah. So let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to do, before we even get into the meaty Devar Torah of today, I want to just because I like to do this little from the Torah to your table segment, make sure I don't miss it. Because I love the idea that all of us listening in, whether we're listening in live this morning or listening via podcast um, later on, that we're all kind of talking about the same things at our Shabbos table. And with all of our different backgrounds, different materials that we come, you know, it says that with every human being. I read, what did I say? It might have been a Rosh Hashanah. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> I have like Judaic overload. Um, but I remember the reason that Adam HaRishon, Adam, was born alone. He wasn't hatched. He wasn't created with Chava, with Eve. Was to drive home the point that every man, every human being is a world unto himself. And that the loss of one human being means the loss of an entire universe. What does that really mean? It means that my perception, my perception of the taste of vanilla ice cream is different than your perception of the of vanilla ice cream. How's that for like basing it, making it down? My perception of refugees, my taking a look at what's happening at the Kazakhstan border, my understanding of what it what it is like to be a school child in the community of Beersheba when rockets are falling is different than yours. And the difference might be merely the width of a human hair, but it is enough to alter the heavens. And so each one of us has to celebrate one. Each one of us created in his image, his image of who we are, we are each a world. And so that's why I love to do this from the Torah to our table, to think that your Shabbos discussion might just be a little bit different than ours. So according to the Ibn Ezra, one of the sages, Moshe, he went, this is the parsha where he's, he's, he's announcing his death. And he went to each tribe to notify them, each one individually, because each one individually had different personality traits, the tribe, and they listened with a different heart. Okay, we all know that Moshe, when I use the word Moshe, we're talking about Moses. Okay, I hope you'll humor me and let me use the Hebrew. Okay, so um, he wanted to notify them not only of his impending death, but to dispel any fears they may have had concerning the succession to the leadership of Israel. They were absolutely terrified. They did not know a day without Moses. He was their umbrella. He was their hotline to God. And he's telling you, I won't be here very, very soon. So he assured them that Yehoshua, Joshua, would be a capable teacher a capable leader, sorry. So what does Rabbi Pliskin, Rabbi Zelig Pliskin, tell us? He says, well, we can learn from this. It comes from the book, um, Growth Through Torah, uh, that whenever someone has fears, we should do everything that is possible to alleviate those fears. 
Moshe knew that their fears were baseless, that he was leaving them in wonderful, not good enough hands, wonderful hands, and that Yehoshua would be a competent, devoted, trusted leader for Bnei Israel, for the children of Israel. Rabbi Pliskin concludes, he says, nevertheless, fear is a painful emotion and it is an act of chesed, of kindness, to help a person overcome it. Never laugh at someone because of his fears. Mocking him will cause him more emotional pain. By becoming skilled at helping others rid themselves of their fears, their trepidations, their traumas, you will be able to fulfill more acts of kindness, of chesed. And so I encourage all of us this Shabbos to discuss this Torah commentary at our Shabbos table. Imagine so many of us saying, well, I can't change the world. I'm not a Moses. If your name is Susan, you have to be the best Susan you could be. God knows. If your name is Baruch, if your name is David, if your name is Andrea, God is not looking and saying, hey, Andrea, why can't you be more like Moses? The voice from heaven calls out and says, were you indeed Andrea? So, we all have an opportunity to really storm the heavens with our own holiness and do our job. Okay, so the first Shabbos of this new year is traditionally known as Shabbos Tshuva. Um, it's, it's, it's Shabbos of return. Okay, Shuva means to return. It means that just because we didn't grow up with Torah, just because we didn't know Torah, doesn't mean that our souls are not intimately Torah-based and Torah-connected. I remember many years ago, I could actually tell you the year. The year has to have been, oh my gosh, 1980. That was a long time ago. And I remember 1980, um, I met a man collecting tzedakah uh, in my neighborhood. And I was very proud. And I, he said to me, you know, is, is your family Shomer Shabbos? He wasn't prying. He was... Sort of, I guess he wanted to know what my uh, tzedakah is charity. Thank you, engineer. Okay. You see that? We speak, we don't, what happens is you live in Israel long enough, you don't speak English perfectly any longer. You never speak Hebrew well. We speak a new language and it's called Hebrish. So if it weren't for our holy engineer, I would be speaking Hebrish and demand that you understand everything I'm saying. My Israeli listeners know. Everybody's chuckling and saying, how's your Hebrish? Anyway. He came to me and this guy was, I mean, he had the payas, the earlocks and um, uh, the, you know, the curls by the side. And he was wearing a big black yarmulke. And I said to him, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Balat Chuva. I'm a returnee. I wasn't always, I wasn't always orthodox. I had all the lingo down. And he looked at me and he said, we're all Balat Chuva. We're all returnees. And at the time, I'm ashamed to tell you, I gave him the charity. I gave him the tzedakah. Then he walked out and said, I think that guy's nuts. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't at the lofty level I would eventually come to. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, blessed is God. I understand him now. Let's understand him together. We all have an opportunity. Wherever we are holding religiously, none of us has arrived. We're all on the journey whether we are choosing to no longer eat 
cheeseburgers. But everything else goes. Or when I go to McDonald's, I'm never going to order a cheeseburger again. You know, among the religious, we consider that a, a very low striving. But it's not a low striving. It's where one is. Or if somebody has warmed the bench of a yeshiva for 100 years and wants to do more, wants to bring his holiness outside of the safe walls of the yeshiva and try to be holy in the marketplace. That's his striving. It's his teshuva. It's his return. So we all have the opportunity, every one of us, none of us can say, I've done so much awful. God can never forgive me. I can never be embraced in holiness. Peshaw, Peshaw, Peshaw. It's available to you. So anyway, this is the first Shabbos. It's called the Shabbat Tshuva. And um, in our Haftorah, the Haftorah, the, the Haftorah portion that is read after the regular Torah reading, it all concerns repentance. And additionally, there's a custom that the rabbi of each synagogue gives a special congregational lecture on this Shabbos on the topic of um, repentance and preparing for Yom Kippur. So um, before the first Shabbos, the Jewish nation spent in the desert after they departed from Egypt, Moshe informed them that the man, the manna that fell from heaven, would not fall on Shabbos. And instead, double portions would fall on Friday. And we had to know to prepare, to glean, to collect those extra portions so we'd be ready. Just the way Friday morning or Thursday night, I'm busy making Shabbos. I don't know what's going to happen on Friday. Something will happen. Those in South Africa sometimes tell me if they don't make Shabbos, if they don't start on Monday, and then that load shedding comes down where the electricity cannot be relied on, they could enter, enter Shabbos opening up cans of tuna. Um, because they haven't prepared anything because the electricity won't hold. So we get ready and prepare for Shabbos. And um, so so that's what, um, so the rabbis traditionally talk about preparing ourselves for Yom Kippur. And um, it is quoted that Rav, Rav Judah, I'm trying to make everything in English here, said, had Israel kept the first Sabbath, no nation or tongue would have enjoyed would have enjoyed dominion over them. For it is said, and it came to pass on the seventh day, that there went out some of the people to gather, which uh, to gather, which is followed by then came Amalek. What are we talking about? They didn't believe in the sustenance. They went out. On Saturday morning, okay, you know that song uh, from the 70s? Uh, they went out to collect because they said, ah, this God, he loves us. He's providing us the manna. I'm sure the man will be there on Shabbos morning. And actually, there were Jews who wanted to prove that this God business was really silliness. And they collected man. And in the dark of night, Friday night till Saturday morning, they spread it out on the ground so that questioning Jews would find the manna on Saturday morning. Shabbos morning, I hate saying Saturday, it's so far into my mouth, would find it. And what was the miracle? God sent out birds, birds to pick up and eat the manna. We have an opportunity to rectify the situation 
of being under siege, to be our personal bests. If we observe this first Shabbos of the year properly, we can all be balei tshuvot, wherever we're coming in, returnees, together by protecting the sanctity of the Sabbath, by spending our day engaged in spiritual pursuits, we can bring about good in every aspect of our lives, and not just our personal lives, our communal lives. We can undo oppression, which was brought upon us during the first days of our ancestors in the desert. All it requires is just one Shabbos, and that is this Shabbos, the Shabbos Tshuva. It's Thursday morning. It's Wednesday night on the East Coast of America. It's already Thursday morning by you. Stop, stop fooling around. We can think about how we want this Shabbos to feel. I'm very excited. Okay, we're not going to discuss the real estate. Real estate's a big, a big discussion at our tables. <laughs> Imagine fighting that urge. Okay. Um, in this week's Torah portion, or as we say, Parsha, I hope you're taking notes. This is one of the um, it, 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 one of the few verses in the Torah. It has it has the least verses. It's actually a very small portion, and yet it is still one of the most powerful Parshas uh, in the Torah. Moshe's first message on the day of his death combines warnings of dire fears and predictions. But at the same time, it's tempered with hope, confidence, and what do we expect from Moshe? Holy vision. The final parsha of the Torah. Um, these are meant to be the they're meant to be viewed as one message. All these last parshas. I'm not going to enumerate what they are. For the purpose of our readings, they appear as different in separate portions, but really, it's one unit, screaming the heartbeat of indeed unity. The common denominator is that birds, um, is that, is, is that um, the things that bind us might at first seem disparate and even contradictory. One can pray in a synagogue filled with people not like you, but the umbrella of the things that bind us together is one. This is a point that Moshe stresses above all others. The Jewish people, I'm going to say it, and some are going to get a little bit nervous when I say it here, but let's go, babe. The Jewish people are special. Every Jew is special. I remember being very defensive when somebody said, what do you mean you're the chosen people? And I would like back up. Well, you know, it doesn't mean that like we're really chosen, like we're really special. It means that like we were chosen to receive the Torah, but like everybody's the same. <laughs> Jewish people are so special. No matter how much individual Jews and our nation generally may wish to escape our special role and place in the story of humanity, we can't escape. We won't do it successfully. We'll be found out. You know, terrible events, amazing achievements, Nobel Prizes, triumphant moments fill the Jewish story. All of these serve to reinforce this idea of uniqueness, chosenness, if you will. Like it or not, comfortable or not, 
This is the integral ingredient, according to Rabbi Wine, of the Jewish story. This week's Parsha, the Torah portion, speaks to us about calamitous events that will befall us. I know many of us, I'd say, who wants that? I'm out. I'm bowing out. But somehow in the end, we also hear that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Holy One, blessed be He, will make it come out all right. Israel will return to its land and to its God. We will observe and treasure God's Torah, and we will fulfill our manifest destiny of being a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. Hard to imagine some days. Yeah. But the road, oh, the road to that destination is not going to be smooth. We will meet inquisitions. We will meet Nazis. We will meet anti-Semites. We will have Jews among us who are hell-bent at pulling other Jews under. We will have, we will reside in countries that outlaw our ownership of land, that will deny us the right to bris our children, perform circumcisions. Moshe doesn't offer up any honey-coated formulas for survival. He doesn't provide instant solutions. No memes for us. He tells the Jewish people how hard and long the road back home will be. It's brutally, brutally honest. And we can't just ask God for more without exhibiting our willingness to contribute in every way that we can to the great goals of Jewish destiny. At the beginning of the show, I said, this is the time to reach up and ask. Ask? Demand. Here's the scoop, God. This is what I want. But it doesn't come without a return contract. Perhaps written in pencil. But with good intention, sincere intention, and the knowledge that our parent loves us despite our flaws. God's blessings are assured, but only if we're willing to kind of work to achieve them. There are no shortcuts to get blessings, but we will arrive there in this coming year if we meet God, if not halfway, partway. You know, the Torah reading this week, it describes our great teacher, Moshe, and, um, and it says, you know, it says that um, Moshe is going, but it doesn't indicate to what destination. There's an indication of the personality and life achievements of Moshe. He's a person who's constantly growing. He aspires to greatness, and he pursues that goal with his every being. Though he initially, we know, he initially attempts to escape from the burden of leading the Jewish people. I mean, who wouldn't? And he even tells God, so to speak, find someone else for this mission. Once he accepts his role and embarks on his destiny, that seems to be the, the recurrent word. I love it. Destiny. Don't ignore it. 
Don't slough over it. The Torah is speaking to you. Once Moshe hooks into this, he's constantly focused on enhancing his own personal, spiritual, and his mental sharpness. He's focused on raising the Jewish people to the heights of becoming a special and holy nation. You know, in this way, we constantly view Moshe as someone who never rests, who makes a point of often reminding the Jewish people that when he was present in heaven in order to receive the Torah, he didn't eat, he didn't drink, he didn't rest during that period of time. The Jewish viewpoint of life is that time is very precious. I'm getting teary thinking about how much time I know I personally waste. Time is so precious and wasting time is to be avoided at all costs. We often hear the phrase that enough is enough, but truly enough is never enough according to Jewish thought. And there's always a goal that can yet be achieved, a good deed that can still be accomplished, an inspirational thought then that can be absorbed into our being. When King David created, he created a signal with uh, Jonathan, Jonathan, as to what their future course would be when it became kind of apparent that King Saul, in his, in his illness, uh, intended to persecute David. Jonathan, Jonathan chose as the message, Jonathan, I love saying it in English, okay? The Hebrew speakers out there are laughing with me. Um, Jonathan chose as the message to warn David of the impending danger that quote, the arrows are still ahead of you, unquote. That's a good lesson for life generally. Our goals and achievements, the arrows that we hope will reach their targets successfully are always still around us and must be pursued and more important, refined. There are all kinds of artificial and external influences and advice that are meant to give us extended, renewed energy. But remember, the true source, the driving force of energy in our lifetimes lie within our own selves. Ultimately, we are the ones that decide what we will accomplish and what goals that could have been achieved will somehow be neglected and even forgotten. I have to go off my text a minute and remind certain of my friends who listen to this show and ask me, you know, Jews, we don't have intermediaries between us and God. Something to say to God? We don't have priests. We don't have shamans. We don't have uh, imams or other, other, other leaders who interpret for us and stand as conduits to a higher power. It lies in our hands. The expectations come from us directly. The greatness of our teacher, Moshe, lies in the fact that until his last day of his life, he was actively pursuing his goals. The Torah records for us that Moshe's vision was never dimmed. He was never tempted to say enough is enough. He prayed for heaven as he was old and growing a tad more feeble. He still went out. He didn't send emissaries to the other tents. He himself went to each group. 
and he prayed for heaven to allow him to deal with the new challenge of entering the land of Israel. Until this day, our greatest inspiration for Jewish life is indeed Moshe Rabbeinu. So in these last weeks, um, Moshe forecasts that the people, or at least a lot of them, are destined to go astray and consequently encounter all kinds of tribulations and calamities. Why was it almost inevitable that our covenant with God would be breached by Jews and that a rift would open up where closeness, harmony, oneness once prevailed? And most important, what would it take, if anything, to restore the bond? You know, after predicting the disasters that would result from distancing ourselves from the Brit, the covenant, Moshe prophesizes that the time of understanding and return would finally come to Klal Yisrael. The Hebrew translation says, you shall take it to your heart and return to Hashem, your God. This reversal of spiritual direction from away to towards is the first step and essence of teshuva, repentance, return, because the Baal teshuva has turned his face towards God's presence. His every forward movement leads upward rather than downward. That is why all of us can sit and say with honesty, I today am a Baal teshuva. I am a returning regardless of my level. It is the greatest time, the most critical time that we are being offered. We are being offered right now a priceless gift for introspection, lifestyle evaluation. This is what is demanded of every Jew. It's not realistic for the mass, vast majority of us to set as our ultimate goal, the idea that we're going to achieve the level of our forefathers, Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, as they themselves stood at Sinai and forged an eternal covenant with Hashem. However, you know what? If we take that first step of reversing our direction, of finally facing spiritually upward, we might be able to, how can I say, um, we might be able to progress or return to the more innocent, pure state that we once experienced in our own lives. There was a time for most of us when we were children or even young adults, we were filled with purpose. We wanted to change the world. We were grabbing for that brass ring and looking to a moral high ground. And we had a desire to reach great heights. We stand this morning at the cusp of regaining that same idealism and shifting from the unreachable or insurmountable and aspiring for true teshuva, true repentance. If each of us individually reaches for that which is attainable, Consequently, we will elevate our families and others and hopefully inch our way closer to the final redemption. Shabbat Shalom Mivorach from Jerusalem and Gamar Chatima Tova.
If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at israelnewstalkradio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 